Good morning, world. This is the Weekly Anchor by Voyage Capital Partners. I'm Blake, and I'm here with Ryan this morning. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How's it going? Oh, we're hanging in there. Awesome. So it's Friday morning. I'm going to knock out our disclosures real quick, and Ryan's going to give us an update on what's happening in the world. Uh, This is not investment trading, tax, or legal advice in any way. Uh, Voyage Capital Partners is a commercial lending brokerage, and that's it. Consult with your financial professionals on any money decisions you make. We just talk about uh, what we do, what we're interested in, and this is for entertainment only, and that's that. So, what's up, buddy? Yeah, not much. Um, so the uh, the haps had an interesting week. Yes, today, I'm excited to, to talk say about the them. least, huh? I'm excited to talk about them. Oh yeah, you know the Dow Jones opening last week at twenty six eight thirty six, uh, and everybody seemed pretty hyped about everything still going, you know, smoothly because as we know in the American economy, stocks can only go up. Stonks. Uh, the stonks. Yep, yep. As uh, Elon Musk put it, the stonks. Uh, and then a we had a humongous slide. I don't know if anybody noticed uh, starting basically Wednesday night going into Thursday uh, saw a tremendous drop from Wednesday close to Thursday open uh, from about almost about a thousand dollars. Yeah. About 900, 800, 900 bucks. And then we had a, a lovely little close last night at 25,000, just, just shy of 25,000 um, or just North of 25,000 rather. Uh, so about 25,161. So pretty yes. interesting to see how, you know, the market is reacting to, you know, the media's posts about the second wave of coronavirus starting. Yeah. Even with, uh, you know, you notice the news that came out too yesterday stating that they are, you know, actively talking about more coronavirus stimulus bills too. So it was interesting that even that couldn't save it. Yeah. Um, down 6.9% just yesterday. Yeah. On the Dow. Just Huge yesterday. Slide. <clears throat> um, and then the NASDAQ didn't, well, yeah, I mean, it pretty much had the same thing. It was about 5% uh, yep. drop over the week. Not quite as bad, but uh, not great. I think, was it the NASDAQ or was it the S&P that had, that hit its all time high? NASDAQ did. And now, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, the NASDAQ hit its all-time high, and then a day later, just started falling face-first into the ground. Um, we started about uh, 9,800, just shy of 9,800 on Friday, and then closed yesterday at just shy of 9,500. So actually not a crazy drop over the course of the entire week, but a, a pretty big drop if you consider where it was at its high. Yeah, you know, on Thursday to today, uh, the S and P uh, hasn't been faring well at all. It's been down. It's just been slowly crawling down all week. Um, about a, almost a six percent drop over the course of the week, but started at thirty, just north of thirty-one hundred, and ended just north of three thousand. Um, but it's been going down every day all week, which is interesting to think about, you know, NASDAQ and Dow went up 
over the course of the week, and S&P has been going down. Hold on. I think you might be looking at the one day. Oh, I'm day. looking at the one day. You're right. My bad. No worries. It was flat all week pretty much, though. Yeah, it was flat all week. Thursday. So, uh, which is still pretty interesting that S&P would stay flat while the others, you know, yeah. were going up. I think um, a big part of the NASDAQ is the tech stocks um, that carry, that's true. you know, <clears throat> because of Zoom and Facebook, everyone's working yeah. from home. That's um, a good point. I think uh, that's what's pushing NASDAQ higher. Although it crawled higher this week, it wasn't like it. Yeah, nothing really – like, I mean, even the Dow, none of them really exploded. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know, they, they just did their steady crawl like you would expect in a normal economy um, upwards. And then uh, – I love yeah. – oh, go ahead. We got to hit gold before we get into too much. Yeah, no, you're good. Forgot about that. Um, so gold's looking pretty freaking solid, though. At 1748, it's holding 1700, which I know a lot of people have been saying is – you know, where they want to see it hold. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty good. It took a little um, bit think, of a sell-off yesterday, too, with everything uh, yeah. else I've been going noticing on, which hurt Blake a little bit. But a lot of people don't really expect it to necessarily have any kind of explosive growth in the near term. But obviously, you know, with if the money printer keeps going, brr, yeah. you know, we'll see. We should hopefully uh, – See that continue to go up. Sweet. Um, futures are looking solid for everybody. Dow is up 2%. NASDAQ's up a percent and a half. And uh, S&P's up a percent and three quarters. Um, so it looks like they want to open yep. strong today. We'll see if that's the case. I'm not super surprised that they're again, opening up strong just because pretty much as soon as the news came out of a second outbreak, more news about more stimulus started coming out. Yeah. Um, I, um, and I love this type of volatility. It's great for Blake's mm -hmm. trading strategy, which I, we keep promising to talk about and maybe we'll get to it today. There's just so much yep. stuff economic wise that this was supposed to be, to be a calm economic week. Yeah. Until Wednesday. And what happened Wednesday, uh, outside of the coronavirus stuff that they're talking about, uh, the uh, Fed had a meeting mm -hmm. and uh, basically made some announcements on Wednesday. And I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about how the market responded to it. I expect, I would expect Maybe, you know, maybe that would combine with the coronavirus stuff, but the Fed basically said that they're going to keep interest rates at zero through 2022, which I think stocks yeah. would like, um, you yeah. know, typically that would, I, I would think that that, that the market would be pleased that the Fed will continue its money printing uh, into oblivion with no regard for consequences. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, stonks can only go up. <laughs> Speaking of Elon's jumping in the game, <laughs> Tesla yep. hit an all-time high this week. A thousand over, hit over a thousand. That is all-time high, right? Uh, yeah, and, for Tesla. I and guess. Elon tweeted his response: "LOL." Yep, it was a beautiful <laughs> statement from a god <laughs> he, among men. He gets it. Um, he gets it. He does. He does get it. Um, um I, I want to talk about Tesla some more too. Don't let me forget to come back yep. to that. But regarding yeah, we'll the go. Fed's meeting. They're basically saying, "Hey, we're going to keep uh, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. 
And what they're doing is $40 billion a week in asset purchases. If people don't understand how they are maintaining interest rates, they're buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities um, from, uh, you know, member banks, basically. And that forces liquidity into the market, uh, encourages bank lending, and more artificial lending keeps interest rates low. So yep. can you do some math for us? 40 billion times. Uh, 40 billion see. times. How many Hold weeks on. are in a year and a half? Yeah. What's 52 plus 26. That's a year and a half. Hold on. I'm trying to make sure I get the right amount of zeros here in my handy dandy calculator. <laughs> so what do we got? 52 yeah, plus okay. 26 is 78 times 40. Yeah. No, I got 76 weeks. 76 weeks? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's 3 trillion, 40 3. billion. I mean, say 3 trillion and we'll call it change, but it's really yeah. 3 trillion, 40 billion. Um, we got $3 trillion of money printing. Um, yeah. About half of that's going to be, uh, you, you know, U.S. Treasuries. The other half will be mortgage-backed securities. Um uh, and I mean, we just have no, we have no, the Fed has no check and balance at all. Yeah. Um, and because our s citizens have no idea what's going on and no understanding of this. And I just rail on this yep. all day on social media. I'm sure people get sick of me talking about the money printer, but I will not stop. <laughs> this yeah. is, it's madness. Um, and I, uh, this is really bullish for the market, but more bullish for gold, in my opinion. Um, oh, yeah. 100%. I, mean, I mean, when we'll see the effects of it hitting gold, who knows? But um, yeah, you know, I don't even I, uh, I'm, I'm really I'm surprised how long that they are willing to say that. Peter Schiff talked about it uh, Wednesday, uh, you know, that. They, I didn't actually watch the meeting, so this is just Peter quoting it, but apparently our boy Jay Powell said they're not even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates. <laughs> they're not even going to think about the thought of it. So I mean, that means they have, they have no regard or worry about inflation whatsoever. Yeah. Um, supposedly someone asked him if he was concerned that this was going to, exacerbate wealth inequality and he basically just skirted the question and didn't answer it yeah of course so, it I mean, will remember it's as inflation sets in it's only going to benefit the already wealthy yeah um we're re we're reinflating what were the biggest asset bubbles in history already um with you know pushing these stock valuations to insane norms let me give you a stat ryan okay if i can find the article again at the beginning of the bull market of the last decade s p 500 firms this is from forbes entered the bull market with just 20 cents in net debt per dollar of annual revenue okay today that figure is at 38 cents Wow. So they've almost doubled their debt. Doubled corporate debt. 
while we're at all time highs, how stock uh, people need to get a get a picture of what's happening yeah. in the market. Stocks are at all time high valuations, not currently literally all time highs, but we're basically at peaks in the middle yep. of twenty plus percent unemployment, uh, in the middle of twice the amount of corporate debt that we had at the beginning of this run. Um, and at the same time as every uh, Joe Schmo who lives in his mom's basement is opening a Robin hood account and becoming a professional trader. Perfect. This is, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I posted, uh, you know, on, on Instagram, I, I said, I wouldn't touch this market with a 10 foot pole. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, about to become the greatest distribution redistribution of, uh, Trump bucks as we know it, as all these people open up Robin hood accounts and everybody yeah. walks away with some extra stimulus money. This was happening in 0809 when everyone became a flipper and, yep. and started buying property because houses can only go up, bro. Uh, yep. <laughs> and so many people lost so much money. That's what's happening in trading right now. There's people buying all these stocks that are going to get left buying Hertz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buying hurts i i saw a tweet oh my gosh oh i got rid of it hang on it was on bad. it was on shift gold website you hate to laugh but it's like oh i love to laugh oh, it's it's tough out there it oh man i'm gonna lose oh here it is he peter Schiff retweeted somebody hipster underscore trader and it was a picture bankrupt Hertz wants to sell up to $1 billion in new shares. And this guy said they should do an offering exclusively on exclusively on Robin hood. <laughs> no, Those uh, poor fools. I love it. The market has a, uh, I think it was our boy, George Gammon who said the market has a, interesting way of punishing amateur investors in brutal ways. Yep. Um, so yep. Um, I'm fascinated right now. And a lot of this is coming. Do you, you follow Dave Portnoy or no? No, I don't. I, know, I don't know if is, I'm pronouncing him right, but he has this yeah, day, okay. the Davey day trader thing going on. It's huge on Twitter and I love following him. He's hilarious. Uh, but even Mark Cuban, he got Mark Cuban's attention. You know, he's basically saying he's like, "I'm the best that I'm the best trading desk in the game now." He's like, "Warren Buffett's great. I love Warren, but he's he's old money. I'm the new game in yeah. town." And like Mark, and I love Cuban, but Cuban doesn't get what Dave's doing. Dave's not. Dave doesn't care about trading. Uh, in yeah. my opinion, Dave is a master marketer. I mean, that's how he built Barstool Sports. He's an entertainer, and um, he. He's not worried about, I guarantee you, he's not worried about any losses he takes in trading. But Cuban was like, you know, talking about how much of a problem this is, uh, you know, how it doesn't go well for, for people who, yeah. which Cuban's right. If they, if I mean, Dave yeah, he's, was actually he's absolutely trying to trade. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. If Dave was trying guess, to trade, but this is not a trading game for Dave. This you is know, a marketing. <laughs> poor souls are going to see it and try and copy what he's doing yes. and are going to lose. And what's happening is all these sports betting people that have no sports yeah. to bet on are dumping money in Robin hood yep. <laughs> and going gangbusters. Oh, that's rough, man. That's, that's rough. fun stuff. Um, I got way off of the fed, but we did, I think we were talking about PPP 
No, we were talking about their four. We haven't got to PVP yet. They're forty oh, million dollars yeah, yeah. a week, so we got three trillion dollars that they're basically guaranteeing that they're gonna pump Pay into out. the economy over the next year yep. and a half. Um, uh, I'm I'm kind of ripping from Schiff a little bit, but he just made some great points. So if you don't listen to Peter Schiff, go listen to Peter Schiff show, uh, so I can, uh, you know, be able to quote him without feeling guilty. He was talking about this is gonna be we're in an election year. Um. And we're in the world now of politics where it's just about who can promise the most stuff yep. um, to whom. So what's going to happen is this is going to blow out the, you know, Congress's spending as well, because what Congress has a few ways to get Congress, you know, the government has a few ways to fund giveaways, right? Yeah. You know, we've talked a little bit about this, but this might be fun to get into they have taxation, which is the honest way to raise money for a government. I don't like taxes, but at least you got to be honest about what you're stealing uh, from people. (laughs) (laughs) Then you've got debt. Okay. Debt is a little less honest because you know, you're kind of pushing it off into the future. Um, but if you're getting, you know, like in, in world war two, they issued war bonds and people knew, Hey, the government needs our help to fight this war we're going to buy these war bonds and loan money to the government, but we're going to get paid back one day. It was the public that funded that. Right. Yeah. And we issue bonds to other countries and things like that. Um, then you've got the money printer and it's kind of, these things are kind of inter intertwined in the way that the money printer is the least honest way that the government raises money because it's the invisible tax uh, of inflation and people don't yep. see it but it is a tax and it's bigger than any tax that we actually write checks to the government for. Um, it's the least honest and most shady way that we fund government because there's zero accountability around it. Uh, people don't understand how it works and they don't have it. Inflation doesn't take away money out of your bank account. It forces goods to rise in value. Yeah. So you don't see direct loss of money what you actually get is a loss of buying power. But the way that the, the way that the fed kind of intertwines these things is when it needs to, when it wants to stimulate the economy through low interest rates in money printing, it buys treasuries and buys mortgage backed securities. So it's like a combination of money printing and debt because instead of issuing our debt to foreign countries or, to the public at appropriate rates, the Fed says we got to keep rates low, so we're going to buy that debt. I don't buy it directly from the Treasury, but they—it's all a game. Bank, the member banks of the Fed buy Treasuries at auction and then turn around and flip them to the Fed. But mm-hmm. all that money, all that debt is going to the Fed's balance sheet. Um, so it's like they're printing money and they're—we're lending to ourselves. You know what I mean? It's foolishness. It's a weird circle of uh magic to create the money um but that's basically they're saying over the next year and a half they're just going to print money and loan that money to the treasury well not all that about half of that will go to the treasury uh as they issue uh those treasury notes uh, and the fed scoops them up from the banks so it's like we're going to print money and bury ourselves in more debt. And they're basically what Schiff was saying is they're giving a green light, a thumbs up to Congress saying, push all of the nonsense spending that you want through. We'll buy the debt. 
Now remember the yeah. Fed doesn't have any money of their own. They print it, which means we pay for it in inflation as the taxpayer. And inflation is the handy little tax that taxes everyone. And yeah. And most people are like raise taxes on the wealthy. Inflation hurts the poor more than anyone yeah. else because they don't own any assets to benefit from inflation. So I mean, they're inflation, already struggling to get by. Right. So inflation is a sick way where they hammer the middle class and lower class income earners and turn around and offer them some peanuts and free stuff to get their votes. Yeah. Are you telling me my Trump bucks is just peanuts? <laughs> I'm telling you, compared to what uh, J.P. Morgan got handed, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, compared to BlackRock, it is. Yeah. Yep. So we talked about it last week. I won't get into it, but this is just their promise. This is their promise going forward and what happened to the market immediately after it slid. So what that is saying is the market is telling the Fed that ain't enough. Yep. We're not okay with 0% rates. We want more stimulus, which we already saw when futures uh, predicted in April of 2021 that we'll get negative rates. The market is telling the Fed, we ain't interested in your zero. We need a negative number on rates. And we ain't interested in three we trillion. We need six zero. trillion. <laughs> yeah. We need, and, and that's what's happening is the Fed is, this is this, this is, we talked about it, but it's, I'm going to keep hammering it. The Fed is mm -hmm. not going to be able to just stay on this course. Um, they will have to take interest rates to zero and or continue buying assets outside of treasuries and mortgage securities. They'll have to go back into the corporate bond market, which they've already done and scoop up some more of those ETFs. And eventually, whether it's this year, next year, 10 years, they'll start buying stock ETFs and uh, they'll start owning U.S. companies directly. Uh, and that's love to see uh, it happen. And we're really on, I mean, we are on the fast track to socialism in this country. And I've yep. always felt that we were headed in that direction. I mean, it's been kind of obvious, but I can, I can't believe how quickly we have slammed the pedal to the floor in my lifetime in the yep. past six months. It's absurd. Um, yep. They have forced people through PPP. They have forced entrepreneurs on the government dole that never had any interest in being handed anything from the government. And by shutting down the economy and saying, you cannot run your business, take our money. They're forcing people on government subsidies that haven't ever wanted that or been interested in that. You know, I've talked to them in our business. I've talked yeah. to many of them that are like, I've never, I don't know what to do. I've never, I don't, I've never taken anything from the government, but I don't have a choice to shut down my business. And now and we're talking about another lockdown. Say, yep. It's look. I know Houston just announced yesterday too, that they're planning on re-extending or not re-extending, but re-instituting the stay at home order. I'm pretty sure San Antonio is going to follow suit pretty quickly next also. Cause I know we just had, they're saying we just had an uptick. Um, and so I predict very soon that we will see that. And I'm sure it's going to, I'm surprised that they haven't started saying anything about like New York or LA or anything like that. I Give guess time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how things cascade into the end of 
June, since we're not even halfway through yet, you know, and they're saying the second wave is here. Yeah. Um, and we're not even in the fall. That's when it's supposed to get here. The big yeah, boogeyman well, I've in been, the fall. I was here in like July, August is when they expect. And the, the who comes out and says, oh, you know, uh, asymptomatic people can't spread it. Easily. Then they backtracked then Fauci, two days later. They backtracked or Fauci did? Yeah, I heard Fauci. Bo- no, uh, I think both. Or no, I think the who did. I think the who did. Because I don't remember Fauci, Fauci came out anything. and said that the who was wrong. You sent me that tweet. Yeah, that's. I think that's what it was. Yeah, the who came out and said it. Fauci came out and said, no, that's wrong. And then the who backtracked. Wonderful. Yeah. This. So. I mean, two two people that I trust – zero uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i i really i have such a such a distrust for them um uh, not that i think there's a big conspiracy i just don't believe anything they say i just think they're full of crap i think they don't know um i think everybody's too scared to say they don't know yeah so they're gonna just make stuff up or say things that are ambiguous enough to seem like it sounds like something of substance yeah um and then that way you can easily backtrack on your mistakes Yep. without it um, seeming like you did anything wrong. Yeah. I and mean, they need – let's be clear. They need a second wave because if mm-hmm. there's not a second wave, the way that we got this thing under control and then allowed uh, – I'm not going to go down this road, so don't worry. But the way we allowed all these protests and riots to happen – if that doesn't create a second wave, they're stuck with their pants down saying, oh, we locked you down for three months and thousands and thousands yeah. of people in the street didn't even cause a spike. So they need a second yeah. wave to happen to justify what they did to our economy um, over the yeah. past few months. Now, yeah. again, that's not a comment on any of the protests and stuff. Uh, I'm just saying in terms it's of, of the, media terms of the, and right, politics. The narrative, yeah. The narrative yeah. they 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 have to now, after all these people have been in the streets, they have to turn to the woman in Dallas that they said, you can't open your salon. We're putting you in jail, but we're letting thousands of people protest. They have to turn to her now and say, if if there's not a spike after all that, they have to say, whoops. We put you in jail for no reason. Uh, there's no danger anyway. So now they, in order to justify what that they have literally crushed the thousands and thousands, probably millions of small businesses oh, by probably. the time this is over with. I mean, especially considering that there's probably going to be another complete forced closure. I would wage that it's probably going to be in the millions. Yeah. You know, if we get uh, another closure, a couple things. We will see if we get another closure. I truly think we will see at least fifty percent of small businesses never come back. I yeah. mean, we will lose fifty percent. I mean, your favorite restaurants, your bar, and that's including like gig workers. Yes, as so, well, I mean, like fit, self self employed gig workers, small yeah. mom and pop businesses, things of that nature. Mom and pops, your friend that does wedding photography. I mean, fifty yeah. percent of the economy is is toast. That yeah. will happen. And we will certainly 1,000% get UBI. Oh, yeah. It may start as like a three-month or six-month thing, but once that camel's nose is under the tent, UBI is... (laughs) I like that. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Once that camel's nose... Sorry, that was a detractor. I've never heard that that before. That's pretty funny. You know, Um, once the camel's nose is under, it doesn't go back. It's coming through. It may not come through all at once, but... 
Um, yeah, once we no, get, you're, you're, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, once we get UBI, um, universal basic income, this is Yang's thing, and me and you have had some good discussions, but once we get that, it, it is socialism. Or ha- it's happening. Say, nobody's, as soon as people start getting a smell of it, they're not going to want to give it back. You know, you're not going to give the population two grand a month for three months, and they're going to be like, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, no. I'll leave they will that. vote the next guy that offers yep. three and four. Then yep. they'll vote the next guy that, I mean, it's this. Well, I'm not talking about like, you know, in more money. I'm just saying people are not going to just stop accepting. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you know they're just going to be like, uh, hell no, you're not taking away my two grand a right. month. Yeah. You know, that better stay in forever. Right. Um, but that's what I'm saying. The next president, the next race, four years, someone will say, Oh yeah. This guy only wants you to have 2000. I'm going to give you 4000 a month. And that's yeah. how I'm not saying UBI itself is socialism. I'm saying it is the is the open door welcoming socialism in because at yeah. that point if we can do two, why can't we do three? I mean, two's good, three must be better. We got the money yeah. printer. And yeah. once you're printing that kind of money, inflation is going to eat away people's UBI income. It's just a matter of time. So your 2000 next year is not going to be worth what it is this year. So Most then they're going to say, realize. All right, they're going to say, well, you need a cost of living adjustment every year. We got to work that into the yeah. UBI. Yep. And I mean, they're going to pull the stats like we say all the time. You know, I remember living in apartments and it was like damn near every year, you know, it'd go up, you know, five, 10%. Yeah. Um, sometimes even more than that for the same freaking apartment that I was in. So that's an easy yeah. excuse to say, Hey, well, looks like you need yeah. some more money. Yeah. And here's where Yang, I only a couple things. Oh man. Yeah. I like Yang as a person. Like he seems like somebody I'd love to have a beer with. Like, you he's know, a really good he's, business. I mean, he started a couple of businesses, you know, he's very right. philanthropic. Um, right. You know, good guy in that regard. And I like that. He's, Hey, he's being, he ain't, he's not being, a, he is not lying one bit. He is saying, I want to buy your votes. At least he's being honest yeah. about it. These other politicians, yeah. you know, try to yeah, cloud it. He's saying, I'll buy your votes. 2000 a month, vote for me. You know, I mean, yeah. no, he's out of the race now, but um, where's I going with this? Shoot, I had a good, I had an important thought. Oh, my thing. Okay, so what Yang's thing is, is, he, he, the way he says it is we live in the greatest economy, most powerful country in the world. How can we not afford to give people a freedom dividend to live on? Right. And that's where he gets, goes wrong. Trump Trump does the same thing. We haven't been in the greatest economy for years. Right. And Trump, (laughs) this is where Trump, Trump, Oh, you know, we, we have the greatest stock market at all time high. These are asset bubbles. This is not real economy. There's nothing real about what you're seeing on CNBC. It's all smoke and mirrors and nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump got this right when he was running. And this is why people think about all, you know, people attribute him winning to a lot of things. I believe it was the number one thing that got Trump elected is he was real while he was running. This flipped as soon as he got into office, but while he was running, he was telling people this economy is fake. He was talking to people in the middle of the country, these, you know, blue collar workers that didn't, these blue collar workers that didn't participate in the decade of recovery that the stock market got their wages didn't increase. They lost jobs. And he went and told them and looked them in the eye and said, the the swamp is lying to you. This economy is nonsense. You know, the, these wealthy politicians and their connected bankers got rich. 
I was part of the system. He said this, he's like, I know this cause I was part of the system. You know, I'm, I'm, which he was. And he communicated yeah. that to people and he saw their frustration and he was able to get elected on that. And Take then he got an of office, right? He got an office and then he started saying, Oh, the greatest economy in the world, sir, you have the same economy Obama did. Nothing changed. You yeah. just pushed it to the next level and stocks and, and I think uh, that was his greatest stunks. mistake. Stunks. So <laughs> we're talking about politicians, but none of this is political. Yeah. It's not about right or left. It's about no. every president for the past. However, since I don't even know since yeah. 1971, was it Nixon? I don't know who was president then, but once we removed the gold standard, we went into fake economy mode and we've blown larger and larger asset bubbles uh, decade after decade. And we've, crushed and bust bigger and bigger every time and every every single cycle of that uh the wealth gap widens and um this little guy gets hurt seems to be further. the name of the game so unfortunately geez <laughs> i really jumped a lot of a lot of points there uh, i know let's talk we- about go ahead I was going to say we never really got into, you know, I think we briefly touched on it, but it's interesting to see that, you know, they're, they, you know, today, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, they started talking about renewing or not renewing um, another round of PPP. And by that, I don't mean just another yeah. round of people that didn't get it, but a second round for people that also already got it. So yeah. they're looking Run us into through that. It. Um, so, yeah. So if you're looking to uh, get more PPP money, even though you already got some, they are looking to do another round in that regard. Do you, do you have the specifics? Cause it was for, you had to have lost a certain amount of revenue and you had to have, it had to be for a certain small, it's for I the little guy. Is, yeah. Yeah. It was basically, it. I think it was like under 2 million in revenue or something like that. And you can't have, or no, it was under 2 million per location. I think that sounds right. No, no, no. They were um, saying, no, that's what, you may be right, but I was thinking they removed that where it wasn't per location. You couldn't you couldn't pull like the trickiness that Shake Shack did anymore on this one. Um, I don't. Uh, I, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have all the. But I think you had to show that you've lost at least fifty percent revenue because of COVID. I don't remember that, but um, but it'll be. I mean, we'll see. Um. Oh, apparently there's still 130 billion left about give or take. Yeah. I knew that. Um, that's good. I didn't realize there was still that, that much left. Um, so that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. I'm curious why that hasn't gotten soaked up yet. Um, I really thought we'd need a trillion in round one just to meet that demand. I was clearly yeah. off on that. Um, unless I'm missing something. I don't know. If- I was about to say, unless people are just fed up and, you know, haven't applied yet or things are moving slow. Um, They also extended for, I mean, people should just go look up the details. I don't have all of them, but they extended the term that you could use it from eight weeks to 24 weeks. Um, If you, I think I forgot the date, but if you got it after like June 7th, you're going to get five years to pay it back instead of two, which is crazy. I also believe they extended the deferral period from six months to 10 months. If I read that correctly, that sounds right. Um, so that's all decent news. I mean, it's, 
again, it's good because I want to see businesses that were forced to shut down by no decision of their own. I want to see them survive. But at the same time, this is all just exacerbating the money printing. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it's earning, only, you know, if, if you want to put your tinfoil hat on, you know, assuming they decide to go through with this or whatever they, they end up deciding if they do, um, you know, it's only going to give them an excuse to say, Oh, we still need to shut down, you know? Right. Um, cause why would we be giving you money if you don't have to shut down? Right. Um, you know, what same- Schiff says is the government people, this is like the whole, you know, the welfare UBI type stuff, um, which we won't get too much into it, but you know, people are like, it's like people get mad when you try to take away the crutch type thing. The problem is the government, what they do is they break your leg and then hand you a crutch and say, look how much we helped you. Like, Oh, you broke my leg. Like (laughs) that's what the money printing does. You're crippling people. You're crippling the poorest of people. And then you give them some peanuts back and say, look how hey, we helped you out. We're the good guy here. No, you, you destroyed people's earning potential and value of their, their, money i mean and then you're offering them you know some type of assistance that's cents on the dollar from what you took yeah i mean it'll be interesting again i know this isn't supposed to be a ubi podcast but it'll be interesting to see what kind of decisions they make in regards to other welfare programs uh if they start doing something of that regard um I don't think it you know. matters in the long term because it's just going to be more and more, but I hope yeah. that they'll take away the other programs I mean, I in defi- exchange for UBI. Yeah. That's definitely need to plan. get rid of social security. If that's the case. We're going to be doing UBI. Might as well get rid of social security. Why have social yeah. security if you're already, I mean, it's basically yeah. the same thing, but we're doing double the work right. for, um, you know, need to get rid of most of those social programs that we have out there. Yeah. Um, most of the welfare programs that we have out there. I mean, I don't, I don't, if you're if everybody's getting two grand a month, I don't think food stamps are going to be a necessity anymore. No. Um, you know, I don't think any housing assistance is going to be necessary because that two grand a month is probably going to cover most people's. You know, I mean, again, you know, I don't want to say most because I'm sure someone out there is probably going to get offended that I say most. But you know, you know, maybe if you're in California, it's not necessarily going to cover, you know, all of your housing. But two grand a month is probably going to cover most of your housing. Um, or the moment it's going to drive housing up in the long term. Oh yeah, for sure. It's going to drive everything up in the long yeah, term. That's what I mean. People uh, think, Oh, well just two grand a month. You don't ever, that's all I need. I'll be good, but that's not going to be all you need. Inflation is going to drive everything up with that level of money printing mm-hmm. and we're mortgaging future generations and UBI will have to be increased yep. um, until it just collapses things. Um, yep. Now look, I, As much as I rail against social programs, let me rail against the right for a second. Our military spending is out of control. It is Um, insane. I think we spend, what was it? Is it uh, two and a half times our GDP or something like, isn't it something insane? No, 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 it's not. No, 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 no. It's like 3% of GDP. Is it three? Maybe. But that's way more than any other country. I thought it was some Um, astronomical number that. It is astronomical. That's a huge number, but. I'm just now curious what the number is. I'm trying to see what it is. Um, oh yeah, it's we. Uh, it's been around 718 billion U.S. dollars on its military a year. Uh, yep, that is in a year. We, I mean, I can't even stress enough. 
we don't have this money for any of yeah. this. It doesn't exist. Yeah. We just um, rent we, it. So over the past 10 years, we've spent on average, it looks like right around anywhere from seven to $800 billion yeah. a year. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Um, yep. That's a big wealth transfer too. I mean, it's a bunch of private defense contractors that get that money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's all any of this stuff really is, but uh, oof. I don't know. It's just, I had my first yeah. coffee in a month and a half this morning. So I think that's why I'm oh, a little nice. on edge here. <laughs> nice. That's funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, obviously we both agree, you know, small government, smaller military, um, you know, I don't think, especially it's not like we're actively in the middle of a war right now anyways. Why the hell are we spending no. 700 billion or yeah, $700 billion on the military? Freedom, bro. Right now. Yep. Freedom. And look, I love all of our, I love all of our military members. This is not, I, I appreciate every single person that signs up to go and defend freedom. The problem is my problem is not the military itself. My problem is the government and what they do with our military. Yeah. Yep. I just, but I have more respect for, for people that, uh, cause I haven't done it. And so I appreciate those that defend freedom. I just think that we meddle around the world way more than freedom demands. Yep. Um, anyway, I don't want to get too much into that. Yeah, no. Um, let's talk about Tesla and how do you pronounce this other company? Nikola. Nikola Tesla. Yeah. And how Tesla has made zero dollars. Do you want to, have you looked or would you like to guess at what their valuation hit this week? Oh, I know it was really high, but I, uh, I don't remember what it was, but I remember it wasn't in the billions I gonna, or something. I, you got to guess a number. I'm going to say one and a half billion. <laughs> so real quick, this company is going to compete with Tesla in the trucking. Yep. Now, is it supposed to be, it's automated trucking essentially? Yeah, it's, it's semi, they're doing, they, yeah, they want to do fully automated electric trucks. Listen carefully, Ryan. You said this. I said this. But this company has made zero dollars in revenue. Yes. Not. They haven't released not, a not profit. Truck. We're not talking about they haven't turned a profit. I'm talking about they have not made a dollar in revenue. They got their valuation. They're traded on trading trading on Nasdaq right now. I believe their valuation hit thirty four billion this week. Oh my god. Thirty-four they billion. Really, they better have a uh, quality truck that they release when they finally release one. <laughs> I encourage everyone to go watch Silicon Valley to understand the mindset of uh, the tech industry. <laughs> Russ Hanneman, and it's a you know, it's poking fun at it, but Russ Hanneman on there, uh, you know, he's uh, the money man for Pied Piper, which is the main company, and the CEO of Pied Piper is like, you know, hey, I want to set up you know subscription model so we can get reoccurring revenue and they're in a meeting. Russ says, no, 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 no. He's like their advisor. He's a billionaire, right? He said, no, 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 no. We don't want to make money. No money. We don't make money. Because when you make money, people ask how much. 
and when you ask how much they they expect it to be more next year more next year you know he said no revenue as long as you don't make money you can call yourself pre-revenue and then you are just an idea essentially that's what he says <laughs> that's what that's what's happening in the tech industry for the past decade and I, we see it in lending we'll get these uh you know it was these SaaS companies these software companies that don't make any money that try to get loans and you see their financials and it's like at least some of them do have revenue coming in, but it's like they're losing money year after year after year. And everyone with a brain is like, what is going on here? But the party continues and yeah, it's crazy. I mean, does it, has Uber turned a profit yet? I don't think so. I they're a publicly I mean, it makes traded wonder, company. You know, I'm, I might make myself sounding like a, you know, sound like a fool here, but it makes me wonder how do you continue to stay afloat and pay employees and do all this stuff. Um, you stay if, pre-revenue, Ryan, and you raise more money the next round. I was about to say, so, <laughs> that, so you just keep raising money over and over? To infinity and beyond. This is pretty interesting. So it looks like they might be, I don't know if they're going to be fully electric, but it looks like they're going to be electric and hydrogen-based engines. So let's talk about real quick. Let's get into this. Why does someone invest in a company with no revenue? Okay. It used to be because wait, wait, you expected. Hold on. hold on. This is great. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I pulled up the, the Nicola website um, and you got to see this. So screen share. Uh, yeah. So, so they have this. Uh, let me yeah, set it up really quick. Do you have it? All right. You're good. Okay. So they have this plan for these, um, basically look at this, look at how, look at the, this is, so this is like a fueling station Wow. idea that they have, because you know, they, they want to do semi trucks and whatnot yeah. um, for their hydrogen. So I guess it's kind of like, like a truck stop loading zone kind of, you know, whole setup that they have here. Yeah. Um, and this is their, this is, this is where it gets great. Uh, this is their planned H2 oh my station. Gosh. So none of the, they have the, you know, here's planned every single one of these. So they, they plan to put something. Look at how many there are. I mean, oh, no wonder people are hyped. Look at this obnoxiousness. What, 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 what is the fulfillment of this plan? 500 years? <laughs> Like, look at how many there are. They're everywhere. I don't even think Tesla has nearly this many. I don't know. That is hilarious. Like, how many fueling stations? I mean, I get, obviously, I mean, it's almost like it, it feels like a redundant statement. Because, obviously, if you're going to do this new type of fuel plan, you're going to have to have fueling stations everywhere because it's not like you're just going to be able to go to your regular gas station but like this is an obnoxious you cannot tell me that they have locations ready to go ready to start building no it's in insane. all these places you know ready for construction you know what do they just go to google Maps and say oh this is a large town oh this is a large town oh this is a big town you know and just say okay we're planning to put locations in all these spots. This is a uh, this is a tr company trade on the Nasdaq. I think their valuation came back down to like twenty six billion. 
but it did hit 34. I mean, they have not made yeah. a dollar of revenue, at least based on what I've read. Yeah. I mean, this is like the definition of a bubble. Oh my gosh. I mean, massive. And here's yeah, what happened. I mean, it's, I mean, this is what, this is a trucking company, Ryan. Yeah. We gotta get our head around this. Would a trucking company ever trade at that type of Well, they also multiple... want to release a they're not a I mean they're they are a trucking company, but they're like a trucking manufacturer more so than Right, but do you think um, GM gets a multiple like that? Not a yeah, chance. No. What happened is they slapped the word tech on their company and they're trading yeah. like an insane tech I mean, this is a this is madness. Yep. Now look, they may freaking pull it off, but I wouldn't bet my money on it. Heck no. But this is Heck uh no. I mean, if you were going to make your money, you missed or if you wanted to make money, you missed the train. Yeah. You were not in the room where it happens. <laughs> and sorry Charlie, you will not make a ton of money off of this company. Now, let's talk real quick about why this happens. Number one, it's part of the culture out there, but 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 let's let's dig into this a little bit. I, I have some thoughts. The tech, the whole again. I don't think Uber's turned a profit. Um, I don't think Lyft's turned a profit. Uber's publicly traded, right? I mean, you got yeah. that is a thing now. It's like a thing to be. I mean, people companies are think about. I mean, company. It's not just. It's one thing when startups are pre-revenue and they get really risky investments that come in hoping because why okay this is where i was going why do you invest in a in a pre-revenue company it's on the expectation yeah. of revenue in the future and then expectation of profit that was mm -hmm. why you invested once upon a time in a startup pre-revenue now you invest in a company that's pre-revenue because you hope that the next round of fundraising is at a higher valuation and eventually yeah. you can just cash out. You don't need the company to ever make money if you can hand the bag to someone else in the future. The same thing happened in the ICO bubble uh, when all these coins, it wasn't about, it, 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 it wasn't about maybe for a few diehards at the beginning, it was about the projects and their possibilities, but the bubble was created when people flooded into the market because they didn't care if the project ever did anything it just they just knew it's yeah. going to go up and i'll be able to hand the bag to somebody else at a yeah. higher valuation and cash as long out. as the the coin had a really good marketing team to get people hyped yeah you knew it was going to go up <clears throat> and you could get out right and the same thing is happening in, in tech is it's now not an angel investor doesn't ever go in with the anticipation of getting profit dollars they go in with the anticipation of the next round of fundings you know the seed round and then the series A and series B, all these new rounds will raise the valuation. They'll be able to cash out their money and, yep. um, and walk away and leave the bag to someone else. Now, this is an important, it's an important thing. I'm not saying that all this is bad uh, money or investing. I'm saying 90% of it is, <laughs> you know, there's a yeah. place for, for risky entrepreneur, entrepreneurial ideas to get funding. I think that's important. But the fact that you can now go from making no money in an angel round all the way to being a publicly traded company and you've still not turned a profit is absolute insanity. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to get to the finish line like that and still have no real path to making money. 
How's Uber yep. ever going to make money without raising prices? If they raise prices, that kind of defeats what they did in the beginning, which was replace taxis. I mean, that's the whole reason people use Uber is convenience yeah, too. It's convenience but, and it's cheaper. Right. But they're, they can't stay cheaper forever if they're ever going to make yeah. money. Um, now they may have turned a profit recently and I could be just completely talking out of my butt, but either way, my point is they went public with no profit, which is crazy. Google is uber profitable. Yeah. Might be eating my words right now. Uh, it doesn't look like it. Okay. It says they, Another they expect to see profit by the end of 2020. All right. But there you go. Not. Yeah. At least they've got that. Uh, Snapchat is a publicly traded company. It hasn't been profitable for two years after its IPO. They lost Snap lost two hundred forty-one million on five hundred sixty million in revenue. Guess how much Uber has lost? Oh God, a billion. One point one billion. Wow, not surprised. Yep. I mean, yep. so why does this happen? I'm going to get there. <laughs> I keep saying this. This <clears throat> is actually very much a function of the Federal Reserve. It's not just about now because of this the stair step of effects it's created this culture in silicon valley where we don't need to be profitable we just got to get to the next round and cash out mm -hmm. um but now again i'm not saying that that silicon valley itself would be non-existent it just wouldn't function the way it does now if the fed wasn't doing the things it does so let's just start at very basic like w one tool that the Fed has, let's just start with interest rates. If interest rates were normalized, let's just call it, I mean, we have no idea what they would be, but again, they'd be above zero. I always say that. Let's just say interest rates were at seven or 8%. I mean, they've been higher than that before, but let's say, yeah, let's say they were at, um, at like, you know what? George Gammon made a good point on one of his podcasts there. I think just in the eighties, Maybe in the eighties, I think the rates were at uh at like four percent, but there was a deflationary period where prices now this gets into a whole nother thing that I don't want to dig into too much because it's gonna derail me, but prices were actually going down. Was it the maybe it was the maybe it wasn't the eighties. I don't know. It, sometime in the last century. Uh you you had a deflationary period where prices of goods were dropping at three percent a year. So think about that. If, if grandma is saving money or heck, if the 30 year old saving money in a, in a, just a savings account, they're making 4% nominal returns, but 7% yeah. real returns because the cost of goods was going down. So it was so profitable to just save money. So that's what would happen in a normal interest rate environment is people would be encouraged to save, not borrow because it would be expensive to borrow. If savings rates yeah. are at 6%, then borrowing rates are at 8 9 10%. So this would change the entire dynamic of our economy because real rates, especially if you're not printing money, not only are you going to have higher savings rates, you're also going to have deflation in consumer goods. So real, real rates could be double digit on people just saving money in an account. Yeah. So what happens when the Fed 
decides and wants to start manipulating things when we go off the gold standard is it starts driving down in all kinds of different ways. It starts doing two things. It starts driving down savings rates and driving down or driving up money supply during quantitative easing, which really started in 08. Mm -hmm. But even before 08, we manipulated interest rates. So when you drag interest rates down, the average person can no longer save money to retire. They can't save money for their financial future. And at the same time, once quantitative easing kicks in, cost of goods is going to go up a lot too. So now yeah. their money is getting double squeezed. They can't make money on savings and they're losing money on inflation. So we, what does that do? The next step in that is that forces tons and tons of money on the consumer side to do a couple things. It forces people to, if they are a financially responsible person and want to be able to retire, they have to take all that money from savings and go to assets with it. So that would have been like bonds maybe. Maybe, oh, I can't, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to retire on this. So I'm going to have to go buy some treasuries, some long-term treasuries. Well, again, the money printer and, and, and stimulus in the economy, uh, eventually treasuries, treasury Throw yields come so ground. low, right? So now that plus inflation, you can't, you can't make money there. So then you go into corporate bonds and money floods into corporate bonds. And eventually that gets driven down. We're seeing that right now with the purchase of the ETFs, corporate bond ETFs. Those yields are going to eventually uh, be driven down because right now the fed bought that so that props up the prices when that happens those corporations will be able to refinance their debt at a lower rate and that'll drive down the yields of the corporate bonds that pushes more money into stocks because now you got to get into the stock market if you want to have any chance of retiring because if inflation yep. is first of all inflation is way higher than what the government says but let's go on their numbers of like 2 to 3% a year well that's just to break even. You can't get that in a bank. You know, you might get 1% in a CD if that, so you're losing money in any type of bank asset. So that pushes money into stocks. People are trying to get nine, 10, 11, 12% a year in mutual funds and 401ks all the while in each of these steps, you're enriching all of these money managers that wouldn't have jobs if people could just save money. It's yeah. kind of this rent seeking mentality. Um, and all this money. So think each step you're pushing the average person into riskier assets. So you're pushing the risky investor into even more risky assets. So instead of a wealthy person, um, investing in a company, uh, you know, that how's the best way to think about this? Like, company that's it's, making it's, revenue right and making money in a company that's not making right revenue. so you push all these assets into these venture funds and angel yep. funds and seed round you get all you get this whole economy of finance created that wouldn't normally be there at the scale that it is because everyone needs to make greater returns mm -hmm. because the risk the returns on the low risk assets have been crushed and bubbles and all that money flows into high risk assets. And now it's like, if you want to make serious returns, you have to get into private venture deals 
and hope that you can hand the bag to somebody down the road. Yeah. And then obviously the lower interest rates encourages tons of borrowing. Consumers tend to borrow for stuff instead of assets. So they get poorer because they buy depreciating stuff, cars, uh, you know, they, some of them are forced to buy necessities on credit cards. And so the, the wealth gap widens because you got companies that borrow to, you know, make money. Uh, you've got wealthy people that borrow to buy real estate at super low rates. So they're getting wealthier with inflation and the little guy is getting hurt. But all this is a function of people can't just save money to retire. So all the flow of money gets pushed to riskier and riskier assets until you've got a tech bubble of companies that make no money but are worth billions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like Nicola. Like, <laughs> like magic trucking company. Yeah. Um, so let's see if I had any more. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. So yeah, that's that. Um, did I miss anything there? I don't think so. I think you certainly so, hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So my point is if we didn't have the feds activity, you would have, Companies wouldn't need to raise as much money. Um, you know, there still would be venture. I don't think venture is like a bad industry, but it wouldn't be the yeah. scale that it is now. It'd be much more under yeah. control. Companies would be having to show profitability before they could go public. Um, and it'd be a much healthier system. And yeah. grandma could retire on... A, Everything would be healthier. Right. Grandma could retire on her savings instead of having to be in the stock market at 60 years old, which is just insane, but that she has yeah. to, to keep up with inflation in any way. Yep. And this, we this, have time to talk about the stock market. If you wanted to this, hold on a couple more things. This is, oh, okay. so the fed printing is what creates bubbles and a mm. bubble requires a bust. So these boom bust cycles are created literally by the feds activity. It's not natural. There should be some fluctuation in the economy. We've talked about it. The depression of 1920 yeah. that no one knows about was because it corrected very quickly because the Federal Reserve didn't interfere and create bigger problems. Um, but we all know about the depression in 29 and 30 that the Fed stepped in and tried to get crazy. Um, let's dig into this a little bit more while my yeah. mind's on it. So if, if money, Blake, you always rail against money printing, it creates bubbles and busts and kills grandma's savings. And it kills grandma. <laughs> I mean, th yeah, think about it. I mean, it's like all the, it, it drives up the prices of everything. Yeah. Medical, I mean, medical assistance, all this stuff. Right. And it's, again, the government breaks your leg and hands you a, and hands you a crutch yeah, we got Medicare for all. We got to take care of people. It shouldn't cost what it costs to get medical attention. And it didn't always. Yeah. Um, but if yeah. we, if money printing is so bad, why do we do it? I want to talk about that real quick. I, don't, I, well, I don't know if we can talk about it real quick. Cause it's <laughs> well, a, pretty, I hit a lot of it. I hit a lot of it already, yeah. but yep. it starts out, I think kind of innocent. Um, what happens is you get, you do get some type of like business cycle which is real when there's a recession 
it shouldn't be long and exacerbated and it really shouldn't be that steep if the economy were allowed to function. A recession, really all a recession is, is it's, it's telling resources that they're in the wrong spot and they need to go somewhere else. Yeah. Now it's really important. Recessions are actually what kill a lot of uh, bad managed companies and a lot of like fraudulent companies. Yep. For example, not naming names, but let's say there's companies that, and I'm seriously not naming names. I'm, I don't mean this about anyone specific, but it just makes me think of it. If a company is valued at an exorbitant valuation, but they're not, not going to make any money and they know they're not going to make any money, but they're just trying to make money as founders on going public and raising capital and taking some of their chips off the table. I'm not saying that's anyone specific, but it happens. There are companies that do that yeah. and the founders know they're never going to make money. A recession cleans them out of the system. Now they may yeah. not literally be committing fraud because they're saying we think we can do this, but if we just keep blowing up the bubble, they don't ever get washed out and good entrepreneurs able to come in. A recession yeah. allows a cleaning out of fraudulent companies, of bad managed companies, of poor malinvestment, and all in the does, way capitalism is supposed to work. Right. <laughs> losses yeah. are losses are arguably more important than profits in capitalism because losses yeah. correct everyone's thinking. It says. And it does. It also corrects jobs. There is job loss in capitalism and an important piece of it, but it tells yeah. the, it tells the economy, these jobs are not bringing value. They need to go elsewhere. This is why technology and innovation is important. Technology is not bad. And this is kind of, I don't want to get into UBI cause it'll derail me, but this is one of my problems with UBI is I, the job loss of technology is important because we don't need wagons anymore. That's not beneficial to our economy. We need yeah. to push, you know, the uh, labor capital into other areas of the economy that are more profitable for the worker too. Um, but uh, so all a recession does is it cleans things out, pushes capital money, capital equipment and labor resources into places that bring more value to the economy and everyone standard of living is improved by that. But, um, so why do we print money? What happens is we don't like that discomfort of any type of correction. So we come in and either lower interest rates or print money. We do these stimulus activities to try to prevent that downtrend. And that's how it starts. And Keynesian, economics, this mainstream thought, which is eventually not even going to be mainstream because we've got this modern monetary theory that's coming in. That's even more nonsense. But the original Keynesian thought was that in downturns, you run budget deficits to correct, right? You, you got to run a yep. budget deficit and spend money and borrow money in the downturn to stimulate us out of that. Now, again, there's problems with stimulating yourself out of it because you're not letting resources resort themselves. But outside of that, what happens is then you get into a boom. And what the Keynesian always said is, yeah, in an up cycle, that's when you save money and pay off your debt, right? When you're doing really well, you should pay off that budget deficit uh, or run a budget surplus and pay off your debt and save money for when a bad cycle comes back in. Well, that was the intention, but obviously that didn't happen. And the big test of that started in 08, 09, or maybe even the dot-com bubble. Um, I haven't studied, you know, 
a whole lot of the activity back then. Uh, but 0809, we obviously had a huge recession. We pumped a bunch of money in, tried to save the housing market. And then the last decade that were supposedly the greatest economy of all time, uh, we just continued to run budget deficits. If it's a good economy, why are we running a budget deficit? If it's a good economy, why are we printing money? If it's a good economy, why do we have to have rates at almost zero? That doesn't make sense. So we never, the Keynesian idea works in theory maybe, but we never normalize anything in the good times. Uh, so then when you get another bad cycle, you're already behind the eight ball with yeah. money printing. And at that point, so it starts out kind of good intentioned, I would say, but um, at that point, another reason we do it, they say it's good intention. Maybe it's not because every time we do it, there's a huge wealth transfer into it's a bailout for the, for the wealthy, right? The banks yeah, got bailed out in 0809. Um, you can't let the banks fail. You know, people lose all their money. Uh, what you mean is the wealthy guy will have to take a haircut on his portfolio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know that all of it's good intention, but at once you get to the place where you can't course correct in the good times, it literally, it, this is straight from Schiff again. So Peter Schiff has the best thoughts on this stuff, but it becomes monetary heroin where once you start pumping money, it's cheap money, right? 0% mm-hmm. interest rates. You can borrow for anything. It makes you feel rich. It makes the lower class feel rich because they can go borrow, you know, borrow for a, Nice car at 0%. Houses always go up. So you just buy a house at 3% mortgage because you know it's going to go yeah. up. It just goes up. You get people flipping houses that shouldn't be flipping houses. You get people starting Robinhood trading accounts that have no business trading. All these things happen and they start to feel rich because you're pumping. It's, it's literally creating a, an, a, an economic high. It's not real, yeah. but it feels good. But if you take someone off of heroin, that withdrawal... Oof is yeah it is brutally painful so it's just an addiction that we keep you know giving ourselves shot in the arm with cheap money every time there's a cycle and it creates bigger and bigger bubbles and eventually the heroin kills you know the addict because the system can't help can't carry that anymore eventually our system can't handle cheap money anymore and it will explode into hyperinflation and consumer goods. Yeah. So I think the reason we do it, because I always rail against it. So Blake, if you're so smart, why to, why does Jerome Powell who, you know, runs things want money? Well, it allows the government, the government likes it because they can run huge budget deficits and nobody has to ask any questions. They don't have to raise taxes to what mm-hmm. they really should be. It allows them to get away with spending on things that we have no business spending money on. Um, so that's why we do it. Um, we do it because, and I don't blame just the fed and the government. I blame us as a society. We like to feel rich. We, we like to go borrow money to buy big screen TVs and cars. Right. Um, so we're just as accountable as our leaders. We voted them into office. We don't hold them accountable. We don't educate ourselves on the economy. We just like to use cheap debt to go make ourselves feel rich and think the party can continue. But eventually, um, it can't. And, um, so that's why we do it. Um, let's see, uh, I have any other thoughts. Um, okay. We, we also, yeah, another reason, so this is kind of goes into the why it's 
kind of a heroin thing. If you tried to wean yourself off of it, you know, Blake, why can't we just take money out of the system if inflation gets crazy? Um, there's a lot of reasons, but let's just look at like interest rates. Interest rates would have to normalize. Well, we have debt outstanding to countries all over the world. If interest rates came up, we wouldn't be able to afford to make those debt payments as a country. Then you look at consumers. Imagine you're, we talked about this last week, so I won't stay on mm -hmm. long. Imagine your mortgage is a seven, eight, nine, 10% mortgage instead of a two, 3% mortgage. Imagine credit card rates are at 45, 50%. Um, if mortgages went through the roof, rents would go through the roof because landlords would have to uh, cover yep. those mortgages. So it would, it would hurt the poorest of people that don't own houses. Um, it would cause those that do own houses, higher interest rates would pull buyers out of the market. So it would cause housing prices to crash. So then people would be underwater on all their debt. Um, you know, your, your car loan would not be 2%, you know, it'd be six, seven, eight, nine percent at least. So we, as consumers and as a nation, we wouldn't be able to service any of the outstanding debt that we have. Um, and so at this point, we're now forced to keep the stimulate, stimulative activity up. That's yeah. why the Fed is saying we're going to keep rates at 0% for a year and a half because we don't have an option. We can't normalize. We do have an option if we were honest and willing to take the medicine, but we're mm -hmm. not. So we kick the can down the road and we make it worse for ourselves in the future, right? Yeah. By taking more heroin in, you're not actually benefiting your body. It feels good. You think, oh, I'm just avoiding the withdrawal, but you're making it worse for yourself the, the more you act on that junkie, yep. uh, you know, activity. Um, and so that's what we're doing is we're just continuing to pump the system with more money because we don't want to take the medicine. And eventually what will happen is we'll be forced to come to a crossroads. Um, and this will, I think UBI will fast drag us to this. We'll come to a crossroads where we'll, we should do it now, but we're going to be forced to do it eventually when, if hyperinflation takes place, because the way you fight hyperinflation is you do two things. You either normalize rates and pull money out of the system and that hurts. And the longer mm -hmm. we put that off, the more that hurts. Or you say, we're going to fix prices and go full socialist. And th that's going to be the crossroads we come to is we're going to say either we're going to be honest and we're going to default on our debts. We're going to normalize rates. We're going to go through the pain. We're going to pay the piper as a society, as a country, as a nation, um, across the board from the smallest to the largest, uh, everyone's got to pay the price or we're going to pay the price of just going full socialist economy and the government has to fix prices of everything, which is ugly. Go look at the Soviet Russia yeah. and see how that went for them. And that just created black markets and all kinds of goods uh, because you couldn't even get the goods you needed in stores. I mean, yep. central planning doesn't work. Um, and now I don't have any type of time frame of when any of this could happen. I'm not that smart, but I understand the mechanics of it. And you keep doing what we're doing. Eventually that's the decision that you're forced to make. And if we would make it now, we could, we could really uh, have a vibrant economy on the other side of it. If we would just be honest, we cannot pay these debts and we're not going to keep mortgaging our children, and our children's children to feel good now. Um, you know, unfortunately, good luck with that. 
I know. But that's the, that's the decision that it eventually forces is either yeah. we get honest and go through the pain or we literally go into a fully socialist direction um, just to try to feed people, which doesn't work. I mean, it's never worked. People died in the streets in every social. Look at Venezuela. You know, that's a recent yeah. picture. We don't have to go that far back. We can look at our own generation and see what has happened when countries have gone that direction fully, you know, it's never pretty. So yeah. I try not to be that political, but when you talk about economics, you got to talk about the end result of decisions and the end result of our current path is really ugly. Uh, you know, picture. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was depressing. <laughs> well, so this is what it is. What do you think? Did you disagree with any of that? Agree with any no. of that? Do I, I mean, need to dig I, in on no, any of it? I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, so real quick, one more thing. The solution is the solution is we should course correct, default on debts, cut government yep. spending massively, which and let means, rates rise. Let, let rates rise. That means assets are going to take a haircut. That means people who are wealthy. And people who are not wealthy. I mean, it would mean baby boomers who have 401ks having to get hurt on some of that. Um, I'm about to be really not, sad with the housing mortgage that I have right now. Right. It, <laughs> it would be painful for a while. And then the, the other main thing is we'd need to return to real money, gold, some type of gold-backed system. Um, that's really important because that's what frees the Fed up to print money is mm-hmm. we remove the gold peg. So that's an important part that I didn't really talk about. Uh, but that matters too. If you want a healthy economy is you got to have real money. So anyway, go ahead. I'm done. No, I've had nothing. I mean, I was just, you know, I agree with you. There's nothing, you know, really that I had to add. Um, like I said, I think you hit the nail on the head with everything you had to say. So not investment advice, but how would you, how do you want to protect yourself in situations like this? Um, I'll just tell people the way that I'm thinking about it. Maybe if you have anything to add, I just think it's right now. I don't think the fed has any, any, I mean, it's not that I don't think they've said they have no plan of taking their foot off the gas. Mm -hmm. So you need to look at, at some ways to protect yourself from uh, currency uh, devaluation. Yeah. Right. From, from inflation. So you know, that looks different for everybody. For me, it's about growing my business. I think that's the best place I can get returns that outpace inflation. As the business grows, I'll look at, you know, some type of, uh, you know, diversification into like real assets. You know, it's, it's about, I think, owning real assets, gold, silver, real estate, things that benefit from currency getting crushed. Um, and then you move to Belize. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. But, uh, so that's the way, you know, that's the way I think about it is, uh, you know, you just can't saving is toast. Your money will, you can't save bonds or toast. In yep. my opinion, again, people should consult with their own professionals on this type of stuff, but it's important to understand the mechanics of what's happening in the economy at $40 billion of fed a week. purchasing a week. Yeah. $40 million a week, 40 billion a week. Yeah. Um, and especially on top of not being done with coronavirus stimulus bills. Yeah. 
Man, I drank uh, too much coffee. Huh? Hope that wasn't exhausting. But anything else? Should, should we get into anything else, or what do you think? What kind of time are you running on today? I think probably we could talk about options on a bonus anchor. All right. Here someday soon. We gotta do. Um, that I know soon. we keep saying we're gonna we're gonna talk about options. We're gonna talk about trading. You know, in one of these days. Yeah. Maybe it's early a beautiful, next week we'll do it as a bonus. Yeah, we'll try to do it soon because this type of, uh, of volatility in the markets um, is beautiful is for that type of strategy. Yeah. Um, looks like futures are still pumping up. S&P yep. almost to 2%. Dow's at 2.15. So cool. You got any other thoughts? No, sir. Um, yeah, no, sir. I do not. Sweet. Well, this was fun. Uh, happy Friday and have a great weekend, everyone. This was yes. the weekly anchor with Ryan and Blake brought to you by Voyage Capital Partners. And as we wrap up real quick, none of this was intended to be trading, investment, tax, legal advice in any way. That's not what we do. This is just for fun. Talk to professionals about your decisions. Have a great weekend.